rest of the story as we go on. But today we start at the beginning. In Mark's writing, it has a very jarring beginning. In Greek, it reads, Arche tu euangelion, Jesu Christu, which translates literally beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beginning. That's Mark's very first word. Beginning. And this harkens all the way back to Genesis 1.1, the beginning of our Bible, which reads, in the beginning, or in Greek, en arche. Arche, beginning. Right out of the gates, Mark is drawing our attention to this word, saying, pay attention. This is a new beginning. It is a new creation of sorts. And yet, this beginning, it doesn't scrap what has come before. Rather, did you hear that? Mark writes, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, this new beginning in Jesus Christ, it is integrally connected to all that God has done before. So we can't just scrap what has come before in the Old Testament. Rather, the Old Testament, with God's calling of Israel, God's relationship to Israel, God's promises to Israel, they are now all being fulfilled in this new beginning in Jesus Christ. So we can't understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing without understanding what has come before as it is written. And yet, and yet, something profoundly new is happening. When Jesus steps onto the stage of human history, it is a whole new archaic, a whole new beginning, the beginning of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this word gospel is so important throughout Mark's writing and in all of our lives that it's worth unpacking here for a minute. The word here is euangelion. You want to say that with me? It's really fun to say. Ready? Euangelion. <laughs> Euangelion. Yep. So it's, this, this is a key word that we hear Jesus speaking at the very beginning of his ministry. The first words we hear coming out of his mouth in Mark's gospel are these. So Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the euangelion of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the euangelion. The euangelion is the good news, as some translations say it, or the gospel, as others say it. The euangelion is the center. It is what it's all about. It is the euangelion that marks the new beginning. Today, sometimes we use the word euangelion, it's kind of a mouthful if you're not used to it, euangelion or gospel to refer to a book. We say Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are the four gospels, and that's completely appropriate usage of the word today. But in the New Testament era, the word euangelion wasn't used that way. Euangelion, it was a, a common word that was used, and it was simply a message but this is the kind of message it was. It was a message that usually had to do with a victory, a victory in battle. 
So for example, in the Old Testament, we read that when King David is at war, someone brings to King David euangelion, good news, gospel that David's enemy has been defeated. Euangelion announces victory in battle. And that is precisely what Mark is announcing in these opening verses. It is shocking when you understand that background. He is announcing at the very beginning, there has been a victory, folks. Pay attention. A battle has been won. The powers have shifted. There is a new king in place. Mark, right out of the gates, is saying the victory of all the cosmos has been won. It is God's victory over all evil and darkness. God's victory over all forces that diminish life and well-being. And there's a new king in town. His name is Jesus Christ. And that, friends, is precisely what we are going to see throughout all of Mark's gospel message. I hope you pay attention in the weeks to come. Jesus will constantly be proclaiming victory, victory over all the forces that diminish and take away life and well-being. Jesus will cast out demons, he will heal sickness, he will even raise people from the dead. Jesus will give hope to the hopeless, peace to the conflicted, joy to the downtrodden, love to all the lonely, aching souls. Everything we just celebrated at Christmas, all of that is part of God's victory. When Jesus stepped onto the stage of human history, a light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. God's choice to take on human flesh was God's choice to win the war once and for all. Once Jesus came to earth in that manger, the game was over. The battle was won. Nothing on earth could stand a chance in the face of Jesus' power. We'll discover later in Mark's gospel, I'm giving a spoiler alert for those um, who aren't familiar. If you don't want to know yet, cover your ears. We'll discover later in Mark's gospel that the way that Jesus finally chooses to defeat all the forces of darkness and evil in the world is by taking them upon himself on the cross. That's what we'll get to in Lent and at Easter. But the gospel, it begins before that. As Mark 1.1 reads, the beginning of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus says at the very beginning of his ministry, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Believe the good news, Jesus says. Believe that I have come as king. Therefore, the kingdom of God is near to you. Believe the euangelion. Believe the good news of victory. Believe in this major power shift that has occurred since I am here. The time is fulfilled. The light has come, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Beginning. Mark seems to shout at the beginning of his writing. Mark begins so abruptly because he wants to get our attention. He wants to wake us up 
to sense the shock of this new thing that God has done. Do you hear the urgency of the message? Have you woken up to the reality of this profound good news? Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, as Paul writes in Ephesians. A new beginning has dawned, and his name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. But Mark doesn't want us to simply hear the euangelion. Neither does John the Baptist, and neither does Jesus. Rather, they want us to hear and respond. News like this, news of such a major battle victory, the victory of God over all the forces of darkness and evil and sin and death, news like this requires a response. So in a moment, I'm going to point out a few ways in which our text helps us to respond. But first, I want to give us a metaphor that might help us um, let this victory idea sink in. I'm going to use a uh, football analogy because my husband thinks that I don't understand the game of football. So, just to prove him right, or <laughs> to prove him wrong, <laughs> prove him wrong. <laughs> he might be proved right in a moment, seeing how this analogy goes. <laughs> so we're in football season, right? If anybody watches football, anyone? So imagine you're playing a game of football. Maybe we're even in the Super Bowl. Looking forward to that, huh? Yep, but in this Super Bowl game, it's really different. In this game, you are told at the beginning of the game which team is going to win, right? And all the gamblers are like, yeah! <laughs> I don't encourage that. So... Just, see, just seeing if you're paying attention, right? Just got to keep you on your toes. All right, so you are told at the beginning of the Super Bowl game who is going to win. Sure, there's still going to be a game. They're still going to play it out, but there's no question. Team A wins. Team B loses terribly, like an ultimately humiliating loss. Team B suffers. So after you're told this information, you then get the choice. Which team are you going to play for? You get two jerseys. Which one are you going to put on? Well, unless you really enjoy loss and humiliation, I would guess that we would all choose the jersey of Team A, right? That winning team that gets the victory. Well, folks, that's kind of like the choice we face every day in our lives. The Writer Mark, all the Gospels, they have told us what happens at the end of the game. We have insider information. The whole world has the insider information available. It says we have been told that Jesus wins. Jesus is the victorious king. Jesus wins the game by a landslide along with all of his teammates. Team B, this team of evil and darkness, loses terribly a humiliating loss. That's how the game ends. And somehow, mysteriously, in God's dimension of time and space, this game is already over. The winner has already been declared. 
And to us, in our human perspective, it still feels like we're in maybe a close battle, a close game. But we actually know how it ends. Jesus wins. And even though it might seem like evil and darkness are putting up a good fight, the truth is they are absolutely powerless. They have lost. They lost the moment that Jesus stepped onto the field. So then, which team will we choose? If we're wise, we'd put on the jerseys of the winning team, Team Jesus. We would follow Jesus' cues. We'd run by his plays according to his instructions in his timing. What we certainly wouldn't want to do is start out on one team and then hop over to the other team and then back and forth. You don't do that in a game of football. And we wouldn't want to just sit in the middle of the field or sit in the si- on the sidelines out of the game. No, we'd want to get in the game to stay in the game because we know where this game is headed and Team Jesus wins by a landslide. So with that metaphor in mind, let us look again at our text and see how we might respond to this euangelion, this good news of Christ's victory that has been announced to all the world. So first and foremost, we look at Jesus' own words in verse 15. Most scholars believe that this verse is the focal point for the whole book. So listen up. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe. That's how we respond. And with the word repent, some of us might have in mind a notion of just feeling really bad, wallowing in remorse for our poor choices, like, I ate too many Christmas cookies, I feel really, meh. <laughs> but no, it's, it's much more than that. It is much richer than that. The Greek word is so full, and it is an action verb. It is an action verb of complete reorientation. It's not just wallowing in sorrow or remorse. It is a complete reorientation. It is a turning of mind and of body. The word for repent that Jesus uses here in verse 15 is metanoia. You want to say that with me too? Ready? Metanoia. So metanoia literally means to turn, to pivot, to change your direction, to turn your thinking, to turn your actions, to make an action step. You were once thinking this way, you were once acting this way, now turn around and act and think a different way. To bring it back to our football metaphor to make it really easy, you once thought that team B was going to win, so you had that jersey on. Now, hear the good news. Change your thinking. Team A wins. Team Jesus wins. So change your clothes. (laughs) Put on the different jersey. Get a different playbook because this is the truth over here. So time to change. Perhaps you once thought you'd find hope and peace, joy and love in your success or your wealth or your appearances or your relationship or you name it for yourself. Instead, what you have found is compounding greed and anxiety 
and worry and anger. So metanoia, Jesus says, change your mind, change your actions. Believe the good news. The victory is in Jesus. It is in Jesus that you will find the hope and the peace, the joy and the love. It is Jesus who has won for you all that you've ever wanted. It is the victory of Jesus that provides you with abundant life now and into eternity. So metanoia, change the way you think, change the way you act, and live into this victory. If we truly grasped this good news, this news of Christ's victory over all evil and darkness, sin and death, then we would think very differently about everything, about God, about ourselves, about our relationship with God, about the world around us. When we view all of life through the lens of this victory of the gospel, we realize that we lack nothing. Even in hardships, we can stand strong and hopeful, knowing that Jesus holds all the power, even over death itself. So even in hardships, and especially in hardships, we stay clothed under that Team Jesus jersey because we know how the game ends. And in the end, in the end all will be well. So metanoia, Jesus says. Turn your thinking Change your mind, change your actions, and live into the good news. To close, we're going to look at the example of the disciples who give us a beautiful example of a response to these words. Right after verse 15, it goes into verses 16 to 20, which shows four people responding to Jesus' news. These are Simon and Andrew, James and John. And in these short verses, twice we get this word on, uh, that reading was at once. In the NRSV, it's immediately. Immediately, at once, these men leave and follow Jesus. Immediately, they trust Jesus to direct their steps. And this ought to be how it is with us. Too. When we hear Jesus calling to us, when we hear that invitation to repent and believe the good news, we too ought to respond immediately. For many of us, there may be that one memorable instance when we made a public declaration to follow Jesus and when we were baptized. And if you haven't done that, please come talk to us. We would love to walk you through that. But it's also important for all of us to know that if we have done that, that this isn't just old news for us. This is an invitation every single day. Repenting and believing isn't a one-time event. The truth is Jesus invites us to repent and believe every day every hour, every minute even, all the time Jesus is inviting us to turn our thoughts and actions, to turn away from whatever it is in the world that would detract us from our life and well-being, and to turn toward Jesus, the source of all that is good and beautiful and true. Every single day, Jesus says to us, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. 
Repent and believe in the good news. Turn your thoughts, turn your thinking to live into this victory that has been accomplished. Every day we have a choice of how we will respond. Whether or not we'll keep playing over here or whether or not we'll live into the victory over here. Because of Jesus' daily call upon our lives, the truth is that every single day carries with it the possibility of a new beginning. We started out by asking who wants a new beginning, a fresh start. The truth is with Jesus, every single day gives us a new beginning packed full of God-shaped potential and possibility. Because when we say yes to the victory of Jesus, when we follow Jesus in faith, as the first 12 disciples would later learn, anything is possible. The demons flee, the sick are healed, the lonely are placed in families, the dead are raised. With Jesus, there is victory. So friends, as we prepare to enter into year 2020, as we celebrate 2,020 years since Christ entered the world for us and for our salvation, may us consider, may we consider, what losing jerseys might we need to take off and throw into the trash? What losing jerseys do you continue to put on day after day? Maybe it's an old jersey of despair or complaining or greed or fear, anger or lust or too much self-focus. Folks, these are all jerseys that belong to the losing team. This year, can we throw away those old jerseys and put on the jersey of victory? the jersey of Jesus, the jersey of hope and peace and joy and love, the jersey of Jesus Christ who was made flesh for us and for our salvation, the light who has come and the darkness cannot overcome it. It is this victory of Jesus that will fill your life with more potential and possibility than you ever thought possible. It is Jesus who offers us a brand new beginning every single day. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. The war has been won. Christ is the victor. And yet, the struggle is real. As we walk this earth with the perspective that Pastor Stephanie shared, uh, we still experience in time the struggle. And so that's why we pray. Every Sunday we have what we call the prayers of the people, and God actually invites us into this practice. Christ says to us that, he he says, uh, in this world, you will have troubles, okay? But take heart because I have overcome the world. 
And so what we're doing in our prayers is we're bringing our troubles, we're bringing our struggles to the one who has overcome. Now, I don't understand how prayer works. (laughs) I've researched, I've studied, I've tried all sorts of ways. It's a mystery, okay? (laughs) Sometimes we get what we ask for quite immediately. Sometimes it seems to take forever, and sometimes there seems to be silence on the other end for quite some time. But I know this. I know that we're called to pray, and I know that prayer changes us and reorients us to the, to the heavenly perspective, and I know that God hears our prayers. 